on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will overanalyze the latest episode of The Bad Batch, a different approach, as they highlight key story details, Star Wars references, and where the plot is headed next. If you're not down with The Batch, they'll also discuss recent comments from Andor's Stellan Skarsgård and the acolytes Amanda Stenberg to see if they can parse any useful story info from their quotes. Of course, the show will end with a question of the week segment and the latest round of Top High Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewie. Oh my goodness. Hey now, everybody! <laughs> Welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. We see you. J-O-D, my father, Bat. Who else is up in this piece? Joey C. Yep. Clocking in with that Haywood DNA that we're all so proud of. If you're a Haywood, you know what I'm talking about. What's going on, my friends? Good to have you back on this S-W-T-S Wednesday. That's right. We need to work on our intro. Like I said, I've I'm becoming a big fan of Pat Mack. He's a fellow Pittsburgher. He's got that yinzer in him that I that I appreciate, even though I don't have the, the accent. But I love the way he opens his show. He's like football <laughs> or sports it's very meat heady but it's a it's a great show outside of his uh, association with mr rogers i'm a huge fan of that guy he's a he's he's a fucking talent like i i he was a punter in the nfl that turned that into a, a career in the wwe that then turned that into He's now getting paid $85 million a year from ESPN to broadcast his show from the Thunderdome out of Indianapolis. Pretty cool shit there. Um, bunch of animals that work for him, too. Uh, one day, I'd love for that to be Nick and I talking <laughs> Star Wars and sports. Probably never going to happen, but that, that would be the goal. Getting flown out to the Super Bowl, out to Star Wars Celebration Japan, treated like media royalty. But I digress. It's time to get into some Star Wars time. That's what you all are here for, right? That's what you clicked on. I see my screens are a little out of order. Let's get this sexy guy up on the live stream. Speaking of live streaming, if you've never done it, you want to try it out. Wednesdays now, 5 p. East, or as close as we can get it, because you know it's not going to be right at 5, <laughs> youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, but what we have on the screen right now, everyone, if you're fans of Hayden Christensen... Empire just released a tease of what looks like an issue almost dedicated to him, or, or he has like a, a focused segment in this issue of Empire. And first and foremost, I love the cover, right, Nick? I mean, it just, that's a good looking cover, yeah. good looking man, love the use of light. You know, here in the Star Wars Time Show, we're big fans of how light is used on Star Wars figures and characters. Indeed. So uh, love the cover here. More importantly, though, for, for people that are fans of Hayden, Anakin, the prequels, the actual words and shit are pretty damn great to take in because uh, they, they kind of get into the mind of Hayden, ask him about things from his past 20 years prior when he first started working in Star Wars on Attack of the Clones. Uh, there's a few I want to read to you, Nick. Um, I'll, I'll parse some of them. 
but there's one I really want to get into because he he directly talks about the shit that bothers me the most about rots that the the scene in Palpatine's chambers, yeah. the choice between the Jedi and the Sith. And uh, he, he provided some insights, still doesn't make me feel overly great about it, but it, it, it helps. Um, but first, uh, my, one of my favorite scenes of Hayden as Anakin, the Tusken Raider scene, Nick, he addressed it. I know you hate it, think he looks like an idiot. But um, he, he kind of talked about that moment and how he was struggling to kind of find the emotions that, that George was looking for. So much so, Nick, that he had to walk off set and kind of quarantine himself in his trailer to try and channel the right emotions. And it actually took George leaving the set himself, going and finding Hayden and kind of talking to him, letting him know like, hey, this is just a little bit. You're close. I just I just need this a little more, uh, a little less. Of, eh. So and what, we got it. So what you're saying is that's just real tears because he, that's the moment he realized that George Lucas yeah, like, can't direct people. George ain't. He's like, yeah, George ain't help me. He's like, George walked out. He's like, hey man, love the guy, but shit, that just that just wore me out. Hell, yeah. I've got it. I've got the sadness. Yeah, now. it's like now I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Now I'm. Now sad. I can legitimately cry because this is where this is exactly. what it's come to. Um, yeah. So you, so you, so you yeah. understand. I, but this is this is what I'm saying. Like this article is full of these types of insights, yeah. like direct anecdotes from his time working on Star Wars, which, you know, we didn't really have access to back then because of the Internet wasn't the monster it is now. Everything was in print. There were no YouTubes and shit like that. Empire wasn't even digital at that point yeah. in time, probably. So uh, the other one I want to get into, like I said, it, it, it this one resonated with me because it, he, he talks about the turn, the fall. Yep. And I've yep. always discussed on this show, and it means that upsets some people, you know, get get over it. It's okay. I can have my opinions. You don't have to make fun of me. But he, he they they talk about the the tipping point, the mace, Sidious, who do I go with? And and here's what Hayden had to say. It, it's a little long, so stick with me, friends. That scene is the tipping point, Anakin's fall to the dark side. He has Mace Windu and Darth Sidious, Jedi and Sith both pleading his allegiance, and he has to make a choice. When we were filming that scene, George spoke about how Anakin was conflicted, but not yet corrupted, and that he still wanted to do the right thing. See, I think that's my biggest problem. I was I was expecting a bit more corruption, I guess, is yeah. I guess what I'm looking for. But I digress. We move on. I also, one second on the... I, I like how when George... Like, George is like, this is how you should feel emotionally... He just writes those words into the dialogue instead of like letting the emotion of the actor dictate how they feel because he lit like Anakin in that scene literally says, I shouldn't, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, yeah, you don't have to say you're conflicted. You can just act it, you know, <laughs> like that's what, that's what actors how do. How dare you, Nick? <laughs> How dare you? There's but, no acting in Star also, like, Wars except from Stellan Skarsgård. There's a line laid in the next question after this, or like actually the, the whole next question after this just sums up how George is as a director oh, yeah, to yeah. a T. We'll, so we'll get there. We'll, but we'll get continue there. But, on. but he, keep, yeah. Yeah, he keeps talking about the fall. It's a hugely transitional scene <clears> for the character and one that sets the course for everything that follows. I remember in the weeks leading up to filming it, I was trying to figure out how to express his turn and acceptance of the anointment of Darth Vader. It needed an observable shift in character. Not. And this was actually the origin of George and I discussing given Anakin Sith eyes. 
Originally, there was no mention of it, and George was initially against the idea when I brought it up. I loved the visual of Sith eyes and thought it could make sense. Darth Maul had them, and Sidious has them. George responded saying that Count Dooku didn't, and I thought that was the end of that. A few days later, he came back to me and said he thought about it more and more and now liked the idea of Sith eyes, but not for that scene. I think that was because it would have misinformed things. Anakin's fall to the dark side isn't just about good and evil and ideological views. It's also about timing and circumstance. I think that's my biggest problem. Timing and circumstance, he literally throws his life away and becomes a, a terror to the entire galaxy. Because of timing, Nick. It has nothing to do with good, evil, ideology. <laughs> It was all about timing and circumstance. And I, I don't know, that still just rubs me the wrong way a bit. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, you know, something like that, definitely. Like timing and circumstances, like if you look back on your life as an adult, a lot of where your life is, is because of timing and circumstance. Like that, mm -hmm. it's just very true. Like there's, there's a lot of things that happen that are out of our control. And the timing of those things and the circumstance that we're in when those things happen dictate a lot of how your life shifts uh, in big moments. So I can understand that from like George's perspective. What I will say is that, uh, you know, I've already said my piece about the, the, the writing of that particular scene. Like you don't have to vocalize emotion. Like emotion is shown through acting and your ability to convey it without using words. And oftentimes when you do it without using the words of the emotions in your speech, it's more powerful. So there's, I mean, like, but we've always known that the writing for the prequels was weak. How so, dare you. so that's, we were called assholes. I put out our silly, I clipped our, we were talking about attack of the clones, making Jedi look silly. I think Nick is the <laughs> one that coined the term silly Jedi. <laughs> and, I put it out last night and the comment on YouTube was like something like, don't waste your time listening to this. These guys make no sense. I was like, you nailed it. That is that is the Star Wars time show I mean, in its essence. It, Nick, I'm telling you, if you <laughs> say anything negative about the prequels to the wrong person, they will kill you. Yeah, that, that's where we're at with the prequel. But generation. also like they, they five, will fucking kill you. Five years ago, the same people wouldn't have given a shit. So it's just like all, all that's <laughs> happening now is is that they've shifted their ire to the sequels now. And if the sequels right, didn't like, exist, sweet. they would still <laughs> be like, shitting They don't hate the my prequels. trilogy anymore. They hate yeah, this one. Yeah, so exactly. Now I don't so, feel as bad. So all of the I people out there who are now like, you know, coming and shitting on everybody's opinions about the prequels who have been, who have had the same opinion about the prequels since they released. And it's not like we're flip-flopping here. Go back. We are very consistent. Um, all of those people just now have a new trilogy to hate instead of uh, the prequels. So their go. opinions mean about <laughs> as little to me as anybody else on this planet. So amen. Um, me too, but it's still fun to, yeah. to hear it and see how it makes you feel as a human. But uh, uh, this is the one you liked here. Was George yeah. generally collaborative? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I, I'm going to read this because I think it's hilarious. Okay. Right. Um, this first line will tell you exactly what the answer to this question is. George is a visionary and always knew exactly what he wanted. So the answer to this question is no, but right. I Hayden, somehow got Sith eyes added yeah, in on Mustafar. But <laughs> Hayden will show you what George does to make his actors feel like they are a part of the process. Um, 
So George is a visionary and always knew exactly what he wanted. But when I had an idea, he would always hear me out and consider it. When I had an instinct on set uh, and wanted to try something different than what we were doing, he would always indulge me. And when he says indulge me, that literally means he's going to let me have my fun, but he's going to do what he wants to do. That's like, what like it, he's a little kid. Yeah, it's like, like, okay, Hayden, little buddy, you got it. Yeah, pal, we'll do that. I remember on several occasions explaining what I wanted to try. And George would always say, well, I know when I get to the editing room and I've got your version and my version, I'm always going to use my version. But sure, let's give it a try. <laughs> and he was right. He always did use his version. Yeah, but what, what definition of right is Hayden yeah, using there? I mean, yeah, he, he was right in that, yeah, he said, fuck you, Hayden, but yeah. was he right in choosing George's version over yeah. Hayden's version? So what, what, what this is telling me is that, like, <laughs> George literally would just... It's awesome. Yeah, like, George would. George is like, I already know what the movie is in my head, so whatever <laughs> you want to do, you yeah, sure. You can go off and do it, but it's going to end up deleted or on a cutting room floor or hey, something Nick, like that. It, we know this is legit because he did it to everyone. I mean, poor Nick Gallard and, and yeah. the stunt team would spend months training for a fight that was in the script. He'd show up on set and be like, nah, we're not. Fuck that. We're not doing that. Yoda's fighting today. Yeah. And Nick would be like, what? It's like, oh, wait, okay. did I show you the flippy, flippy, flippy thing that the uh, <laughs> that the special effects department did for me last night because I got uh, super stoned and thought it would be cool? I love uh, this man. But, yeah. I mean, he's just awesome. But can you blame him? I mean, you're George Lucas. You cook all this shit up. It came out of your head. You're, you got these kids and people. Yeah, man, this is this is what Anakin <laughs> do. George's like, yeah, you're yeah, sure, go give it a try. You fucking idiot. I'm still yeah. gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in the editing room. You. Dope. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so I would really you're not George Lucas. I am. Like what I would really like to see is if there was a folder that was like. You know, when they were going through and editing the movie, if it was like, hey, yeah, let's, let's see takes. those deleted shots. man. Yeah, it's like this. This is like Hayden's ideas, Ewan's ideas, Natalie's ideas, all the shit that all the actors threw out. Like, hey, I really think that this would work here being a professional actor who has won awards before or who will yeah. win awards in the future multiple awards. Uh, I think that this would work well here. And George is like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Do it, bud. It's it's not going to get in the movie, but go ahead and fulfill your wishes. I would love to see that cut. You know, yeah. let, let's let's make that the the prequel special edition. Let, let's get some of those scenes spliced back in. Yeah. Get rid of the George cut. Let's get the actors cut. It's and just see who was right. You know, it, it would be interesting to see in those moments because, you know, there, I, I feel like there was probably a lot of attempted collaboration that happened on the set. Like we hear a little bit here from from Hayden saying, you know, what, what about the Sith eyes or, you know, what about, uh, you know, like other little things that he that he could have thrown out to George that all ended up not being used. Uh, I wonder, you know, for for somebody like fucking, you know, you have some legends on this film, you know, like you had Christopher Lee, one of the most incredible and, and well-respected actors of all time that, that played in these movies. I mean, you had uh, Ian McDiarmid, who obviously plays the Emperor, but is an incredibly well-respected actor as well and has numerous credits to his name. So you have all of this talent on, this, on these movie sets, and that's, that's, that's what makes a movie set like that really fun to work on because if it is a collaborative workspace, you have so many people that have experience and knowledge that could contribute but um yeah I, I don't think that george allowed that to happen 
<laughs> do you think, uh, and this is almost a serious question about this silly topic, but do you, do you think he suffered from a bit of PTSD from his experience on Star Wars and how he was just abused by the the UK production staff, oh, did, did, his ex-wife, the studio, ILM, like even his own, stu- even his own studios were like, "You come on, you fucking idiot, hurry up, you're taking forever. This looks like shit. This is stupid." I mean, and, I mean, he he gave up directing after that one and and didn't return until the prequels. So it's like once once the prequels were around, and he was God. You know, he had the trilogy was out, the licensing was out, he was printing money. I think he's just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. This this is mine. It's always been mine. We're doing it my way this time. Yeah, I mean, I think that that probably contributed. I think that during the original trilogy time, like they like I feel like one, he was he wasn't well equipped enough to both direct and write and, you know, be the story guide on set as well. So handing those off to Marchand and uh Kirshner was probably a good idea, but I also think that he knew coming into the prequels that he was like, I'm going to like, I'm going to do everything myself because at this point in my career, nobody can tell me that I can't like, you know, yeah. do you think Nick, some of it too was his desire to use all the new technology, the, the full green screen, full CG character. So he wanted to control all that. I think so. I, I think that he, he went into the prequels with a very clear vision of how those films were going to be made. Not right. even necessarily like story beat wise, but like you were saying, like technically, you know, like he wanted to push the boundaries of what was possible with CGI. He wanted to, expand the toolkit that he had and and everything like that and really push ILM to their, you know, to their limits given what the the capabilities were. And I think that if you had somebody else in in the director's chair, they probably would have opted to not do those things and, and do things a little bit differently. Um so yeah, I think that his desire to have those films made in a certain way probably did contribute to um, you know, his decision to be director on all three films. Yeah. Um, you know, right. you could argue whether or not that was a beneficial thing for, for the prequels. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I was <laughs> like, going to say with, with hindsight, you know, you never know, maybe, you know, maybe we got some other voices you, in there. If Who you knows, bring but. in, you know, like at that point, John Kasdan had worked with, with, uh, with George for, you know, years decades up to that point. Like, I really do feel like it could have been beneficial if you let Kasdan sit behind the director's chair for at least one of those films. Um, yeah, I don't even, I'd have to go back and look at some of the BTS. I don't even think he had like a second unit director. I, I think he did everything. He did both. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, maybe Galar. A lot of times they'll, you know, stunt, stunt. coordinator will run second unit. I think he may have mentioned. A lot of times they're just shooting like the fighting scenes. Yeah, I think he may have mentioned something like that, that he he did some second unit yeah, directing it, it, in, that in makes our sense. interview. It's, yeah. Oh, speaking of stunts, stunt buddy, uh, he got on the, the James Gunn Superman. So nice, we'll, nice. We'll see what that yields. All he could tell me is like, "Is some wacky shit going on?" It's I like, don't know right. if that's good or bad. Because yeah, like, it's like I, I know you, you're not up on Superman, anyways. But it's like a wacky shit Superman. What could that even mean? All right, moving on to this article again. You all should just go read it. It's out there now. He gets into his relationship with you and back in the day. He talks about what it was like to be 18 and cast in Star Wars in a major role and kind of how that. That changed his life. And then, uh, you know, this this last long quote kind of goes into the, the negativity that a lot of these people faced 
during the uh, launch of the prequels. But now, you know, 20 years later, they're, they're starting to kind of reap the benefits of those generations getting older and and more or less worshiping them at events like Star Wars Celebration or whatever con that these these people attend. Um, and the last little bit here, I thought it was a kind of a wise recap from Hayden. They the Empire asked him like, hey, if this Hayden could go back and talk to 18 year old Hayden right before he started filming Attack of the Clones, what would you say? And, and here's what Hayden quoted himself. He said, even though I was a bit overwhelmed, I was also a confident young man and I wanted to make my mark arrogance, cockiness. But I guess if I were to have some advice for me during that general time in my life, mm -hmm. it would be patience. And they Dude. ask him, why patience? And he says, because my journey with the character and with Star Wars has at times been a bumpy one, but I'm in a good place with it now. And so that's why I say patience. Yeah. So it sounds like Nick, for a long time, he was not a huge fan of being tied to Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame him. You know, I, I think that, you know, even as evidenced by the earlier answer that we heard in this interview, like even his time making the film seemed like there were some bumps along the way and some, some uneasy times between him and, and George. I mean, he said that he literally had to walk off of set because George was saying like, do it this way. And he's like, I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> like, so he had to go and, 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 and do that on his own. I will say that like, you know, th this quote, I was a confident young man and I wanted to make my mark. Like, as somebody who's at his age and is put into the position and in the role that he that he was as Anakin Skywalker, you would assume as an actor that that is why they hired you, right? Like they want right. you to leave your mark on this character. Got to have a big swing and dick to play that role. Yeah, and it but what it also seems like is that he was neutered. I'm good like for for lack of a better term, like he had vision, like he had as a professional actor who was on a very good track prior to the release of this film, like we had mentioned prior, you know, like nominated for, for awards, won Golden Globe Awards prior to the release of Star Wars, I believe. Um, you would, you would assume that there would be more of a collaborative stance and your, your, your thoughts or your opinions on how this character could be portrayed would be taken a little bit more seriously but it doesn't seem like that's what happened. And that could, that can be very frustrating and require a lot of patience for somebody on set, you know, like, well, I mean, you got to think it from his point of view and it's true, but star Wars killed his career. Yeah. I mean, it dead. Yeah. And unlike, <laughs> unlike his predecessors, Mark Hamill, he didn't, he didn't have a voice acting career to fall back on uh, or, or like Carrie did with script doctoring and writing. Yeah. He was just kind of in limbo living off royalties and every once in a while he'd do like a, you know, a straight to straight to Ben movie. Yeah. So I, oh, well. I like it, it is a very illuminating conversation that he had. And, you know, it, it the things that he says in here are not surprising. Just knowing, um, you know, what the sequels turned out to be and how everybody kind of knew George worked on set. So um, but it is cool to see, like, you know, to hear him go in depth about some of the things he experienced yeah. during that time it, period, for sure. And you would think that this issue, it's just called Empire Focus, and I, I'm assuming it's fully dedicated to him. Yeah. So there, there's probably more articles, interviews than than just what we recapped here. So make sure to check that out. This looks like the April 
issue of Empire. See, there's always time for Star Wars time. We've got your dead asses covered. Next one here is a real quickie, kind of stupid, um, but it appears Star Wars, The Mandalorian and Grogu, which is like, what a mouthful for a movie title. But it, it, it now has a working title. Remember, working titles are kind of the code names. They should just be called code names. Yeah. But in the biz, they're called working titles. And according to, we're getting this from Bestman Bulletin, but they got it from Cosmic Circus. According to the circus, the working title for the Mandalorian Grogu is Thunder Alley. Ooh. <laughs> it's like, okay. All right, everyone good with that? Sweet. There's, there's another in the know. So now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, there you go. I mean, for those of you yeah, out there, there like, right? It's like Blue Blue Harvest. That was the the yeah. working title for Star Wars: A New Hope the for OG. Episode Four. Mando was Huckleberry. Was Huckleberry. There's been a ton. Like we've talked about working titles for other ones in the past before. Uh, Blue right. Harvest so famous that uh, you know, like as a working title, that is what the first um, Family Guy Star Wars special was titled. It was it was Blue Harvest. Deep cut. Look at that deep oh, cut. There you go. Um, Nick, yeah. this one, I, I kind of want to get your your speculation juices flowing, but I, I want to point this out. This, this is a more of a visual one, so people on the stream, you, you can see what we're looking at here. But we're looking at the Instagram feed of Mod Best. He's played Jar Jar Binks, Keller and Beck, some dude in the bar next to the dude selling death sticks and Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's Star Wars correct, but... He's got a picture of himself, Nick, in full mocap suit. He's got the dots on the face, the helmet on, the camera in his in his in his beak. And his caption is, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Yeah. Hashtag mocap, Star Wars, Jar Jar Binks, Activision, Jedi, Sith Lord, Keller and Beck. Let me just point out the fact that he tagged Jar Jar Binks and Sith Lord in the same yeah. uh, Instagram post is cheeky as fuck. Yeah. No way it's real, but I love that he knows that there's a whole mega movement behind Darth Jar Jar. But Nick, what do you think this is? I mean, Activision being in there, I I didn't know that. I don't think they have ties to the Star Wars license unless it's being loaned out by Lucas, Lucas Arts um, Games or whatever. So what, what do you think this is actually this is about? Isn't Respawn owned by Activision? So, you know, you might be right. Yeah. So I, or didn't they break out? I thought, or they, I thought they broke out and went on their own. Or maybe they're owned by, I, I don't. No, you you you're probably right because I know Respawn initially started as COD, which we know is Activision's tentpole. Yeah, or maybe okay, yeah, no. So their their parent is EA. Uh, so you were right. Their their first like prior yeah, so, to but, that. Yeah, but we know EA no longer has the license. I, yeah. I think it's reverted back to Lucasfilm, Disney, whatever Lucas Arts. So I'm I'm wondering if they're just kind of piecemealing it out now to debt do you think this is for a a star i guess let's just start there i mean oh yeah activision hashtag out of nowhere with a bunch of star wars tags i mean is activision working on something we have no clue about i i wouldn't doubt it i mean we know that ubisoft is working on a title we know that ea is working on a title through respawn so it wouldn't be surprising to me if activision was also given a title um <laughs> jar jar juggling game good one <laughs> That's how he died. Like he ends up a, a street juggler. Yeah. He's all depressed and homeless on the streets. Um, given. So I do think it's probably a video game for Activision because like you said, that the, the, the uh, license is free. Anybody can do it. Um, and and <laughs> the, the caption itself is just, it's so hard to decipher because 
just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You would think that that would be about Jar Jar if he was playing Jar Jar because he hasn't played Jar Jar in forever. He's played Keller and Beck in two different things. He played it in the well, little yeah, and, game and show. And You uh, don't need mocap for Kellerin. Well, if you're doing a video game, you're going to okay, need yeah. mocap for everything. You're right. You're so right. like, you're right. Um, so they're doing, they're doing mocap for everything. Um, so I would imagine that it's probably Kellerin, but it would be super cheeky if they just had him there and they're like, Hey, can you, let's do a Jar Jar scene while you're here. Like Jar Jar Banks, new operator in call of duty. I'm just reading some of the, so, yeah. some of the comments. You never know. Yeah. You never know what you get from the peons here. So, yeah, I mean, um, I think that it would make sense to have a video game that features Keller and Beck. Now that we know how pivotal he was in everything around Grogu's, uh, you know, like his, his rescue, where, where he went prior to the Mandoverse, whatever else was going on prior to then. Um, we, we, we don't know the status of Keller and Beck in current canon right now. Like we don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he's alive. We don't know. I mean, for, for as much as we know, he could have been looking for Grogu this whole time and Mando just found him first, you know, like if he was really charged with the safekeeping of Grogu as uh, a Jedi Padawan or a youngling at that time, um, and he he lost him, it's very it's very possible that Keller and Beck could have been looking for Grogu this entire time that he's been gone. Um, so there are a it's lot of just, different is, options for for what he there, could be there, doing. There's a lot to kind of parse out of this. I mean, he's a pro. You, you'd think he knows what he can share and what he can't. Not that the image gives anything away, yeah. but the hashtags. So, I mean, really, the, the hashtags could be smokescreening us. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be nothing. He, he could be playing a random, literally a random NPC in an Activision video game. He's just trolling the shit out of all of us, too. Yeah, very much but I don't know. I'm, I, I'm excited for it. You know, I like, I like seeing people like Ahmad getting work, being happy, considering at one point in time, he wanted to jump off a cliff because of star Wars fans. So that's always positive. It's good to see people kind of rebound and excel after a little bit of shit in their life. But yeah, I don't know this. Uh, I, I got to give credit to Nova. Speaking of Nova, holy shit, man, I should have had you watch it before we went live. Nova and this guy Stop Motion Zach just put out their latest Stop Motion Star Wars short. It's a, a sequel to their Mandos versus Droids bit they did like a year or two ago. It's fucking amazing. It's fantastic. Like you, you have to watch it. Nice. You have to yeah. watch it. Yeah, go will. look at Nova Toymation's page. Check it out or Stop Motion Zach. It is. I will check it. And, and our guy wrote the whole fucking thing. And really, yeah, the, the animation is flawless, super smooth. It, the writing's amazing. Like, let, let's get Nova on a fucking Star Wars property. You know what I mean? Like, to, to be able to script that shit out, literally, a script. The blo- They had the blocking down, the, you know, setting up what the stage was going to look like, or in that case, the, 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 the diorama. Very impressive, Nova, and thank you for the, uh, the Jar Jar tip here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would take Jar Jar or Keller, and let's just... Star Wars video games that aren't fucking Battlefront or or Jedi Cal. Let's go. I keep forgetting Outlaws is shit. It, Outlaws and, should be coming. I mean, that's the Ubisoft well, game. So. Right. Before the delay, it was like a month out, but now we yeah. don't know. It's probably going to be closer to this uh, fall. So, yeah. hey, good stuff there, Ahmad. Best. And one last little thing before we get into our breakdown of Bad Batch. S3, E4, a different approach. 
We got some uh, some action, Nick, on the Acolyte and Andor. Andor, I think Stalin had a few too many glasses of wine mm. while he was out promoting Dune 2, where uh, Amanda said something that I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on about her role in the Acolyte. All right, so here's where Stalin is drunk. Um <laughs> uh, you know, he's out there doing the, the Dune press. He he plays the Baron, this big fat piece of shit, the Harkonnen. You gotta love him, who who floats. Yes. But um, they asked him, like, hey, man, what about what about Andor? And Stalin's like, yeah, hey, it'll probably be out towards the end of the year. Maybe, or next year. Who knows? Fuck it. It's coming out at some point in time. I, I can pretty much tell you to take it to the bank. Andor is not releasing this year. Uh, unless they run into like some major problem with skeleton crew or the acolyte, I, I just I don't see this happening. Principal for most of the cast just wrapped maybe a week or two ago, three weeks at most. A lot of posts to get done. Then you got the promo machine, the ramp up. So like I said, I I, I think Stalin's just a little a little too excited, Nick, to see himself again in Andor season two. So I would not take Stalin's word on Andor coming out by the end of this year. Yeah, I, we've been te- we've been saying 2025 for a while now, and I, it just seems like that's going to be the year. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think that he doesn't know. <laughs> so he was just like, instead of saying, I don't know, he just threw out a complete guess. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's 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 just one of those personalities. I, I think it would be awesome to talk to this guy because he he's so good at acting that he could make us feel like he actually wants to be talking to us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you know, sometimes if you ever watch these press junkets, you can tell that the talent would rather be sticking ice picks into their eyes than talking to like Nick and I yeah. across, you know, those black rooms or they're on their little set chairs and they're being asked the same fucking questions yeah. all day long. It's like they're hotel. just rotating these fucking reporters yeah. in and out. And you're like, oh, you're asking the same five questions as, as the last person. OK, yep. awesome. <laughs> this guy, though, I could see him kind of having fun with it and, and just giving you whatever you ask like hey stalin who's grogu's dad yoda yeah fucking andor 2024 (laughs) he's just gonna like he's just trying to get out of that chair he's like whatever he is he really is an awesome dude the 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 scars guards in general how how many we got alexander stalin Stalin, alexander is there peter bill scars guard is the guy who plays it it Uh, yeah. yeah um alexander was in true blood stalin Peter sounds right. I think there is a Peter Skarsgård. I think you're you're the, on. Um, who's who's like the the fit one? That's he was just in in Succession, and then he was in the Northman. That's as a, Alexander. As a yeah, that's Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Peter Skarsgård is an actor, and oh hey, man, his his face is so familiar. But honestly, um, so what was he in? Uh, he was in uh, Garden State. Kinsey Jarhead is what I I know him from Jarhead. Is he a younger one? He or was an in older 2022 one? Batman, Magnificent oh, okay. Seven. He was in that as well. Um, so he is uh, early 50s. Early 50s, born 1971. Is Stalin the, the oldest of the bros? I think Stalin is the oldest. Yes. All right. What a fucking family. Yeah. Like it, and they're not like it's not even like they were born in a country where acting is a thing. I mean, I, I believe they're from over in probably the the netherlands finland one of those denmarks oh so they got they got like the umlauts and shit on their name yeah so actually 
They're not. So Alexander is Stellan's son, and so no is shit. and so is Bill. <laughs> so Bill and uh, Alexander are both Stellan's sons. So then Peter and Stellan are brothers, uh, perhaps, or or. <laughs> Bob's uncle's cousin. Yeah, so, this like, that's where a, we're at this point. I don't know if. A, anyways, I, I don't even know what the fuck we're talking yeah. about right now. But I, I, yeah, they're Swedes. There we go. Thanks, yes, Bango they're, they're Swedish. Iron, they're Swedish. Oh, so, so all I know is Stellan Skarsgård is fucking good at what he does. Yeah, he I, I just rewatched He's Dune fantastic. to get ready for tomorrow for Dune Two, and even though I, I, it's hard now that we have him in Star Wars. Like I, I still. I see Luthen a bit, even through all that big fat fat makeup and, and crap. But man, he is good. Yeah. So is so is um, Alexander. Man, they're he, both. Yeah, he's a specimen. Alexander right. was an HBO darling. He was in that show Generation Kill. If you've ever seen that, which was about the like early two thousands invasion yeah. of Iraq, and then he was also in True Blood. He was in what he was one of like the mains in True Blood. So, and then Stellan. For those of you who like older films. Uh, Goodwill Hunting was the first time that I saw Stellan Skarsgård in a go. movie. Fantastic film as well. And those for you that are Star Wars fans, Luthen Ryan, his Ryan. best performance ever. <laughs> you should have won an Oscar for it, even though you can't. That's true. Yeah, Bango's right. Norse blood runs strong. No doubt about it. Uh, hey, look at this. Are you watching Dune in 70 now? I'm doing the, we're catching the Dolby Atmos tomorrow. I'm yeah. not missed the IMAX one. I just... The IMAX close to me still has the the shitty straight upright seats, no reclining. It's it's kind of archaic, so I, I prefer the Dolby Atmos these days. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here here some fans will love this because fans love when they're told what type of Star Wars fan they are. So I, I appreciate <laughs> Stellan for throwing this out there. But they they get like, hey man, what, what's Andor season two all about? He goes, It's the last season of it. Thank you. No shit. <laughs> it ends where Rogue One starts, so it's up to that point. I think it will be very good, as already the first one was satisfying for me because it's sort of Star Wars. For grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Take that, all you people that didn't like Andor. You're too stupid and juvenile to appreciate it. That's why you didn't like it, you dummies. Stellan said so. Uh, he goes on to say, it's a more realistic and complicated society that they're living in, and the claustrophobia of the fascist regime is palpable. I think we have a good season ahead of us. And he's right. Like, listen, I I think Andor is, is a thing of beauty. It, it really is. And, and he's not wrong. I mean... Throwing out the it's for grownups, I and mean, that's a good way to troll some some of the crazier Star Wars fans. But I think even Nick himself and others have brought it up. Maybe it was beyond the Dune Sea. It's like Andor, and probably why some people didn't like it, 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 it lacked the fantastical, the fantasy side of Star Wars. Right, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it, in general, I think that that was kind of my feedback. Is like It was a fantastic, you know, semi-spy show that is set in the star Wars universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it did lack what kind of, uh, sparks the fantastical and mystical side of star Wars for sure. Yeah. So, you know, Stellan's just reminding us that those of us that like that stuff, we're <laughs> idiots. We're, we're dummies and we're, we're child brain having people. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Stellan. I love you. All right. Moving on to Amandala. Yes, Amanda. It's one, one way to spell that name. Amanda Stenberg, who is the lead in The Acolyte, rumored to be coming out June 5, although I, I, I think that is false. So, um, you know, she, she talks about, obviously can't say much, but th- this is kind of, 
I don't know really what she means by this or what, what we're going to see in the finished product, Nick, but she, she was discussing the fact that she had the shoulder, which sounds like a, a heavy acting load for the show. She said, I have a really, really heavy load in the show, and I do not think she is talking about that type of load, you sick fucks. Um, an abnormal load. Now, maybe that load she's talking about that type of load. But what do you think she's saying here, man? Like, are are we going to get lots of dialogue from her character or is she just in every damn scene? Like we never leave her. She drives the entire plot forward. Yeah. I think there was a lot of speculation around what Amanda's role was going to be. Um, and I think one of the things that we threw out in speculation may kind of line up with what she's saying here, which is that she she may be in a position to where she's like a mole inside of the Jedi Order. That's also like ah, so that would yeah, like so she, put two a, different performances. Yeah. yeah okay. So like you're doing, you know, your role as you know a Jedi Padawan or whatever mm-hmm. level they're mm-hmm. at, and then you're also doing the role of whatever the Sith character is or the, the dark side character is. So you're playing, like you said, you're playing two roles, but because like you're doing it as kind of a double agent type of thing. So that's, that's my first thought when I saw this. I I like it. And that didn't even cross my mushy brain. So that's, you know, that's why we do this. I got to run this stuff by you. So you get the more intelligent takes, but I, I I think you might be spot on. It's just the fact that, She's not just playing a a character. She's going to be playing a, a character that has more than one side. Yeah, like a duality. Dual. Where it, it it really is as as an actor, you you pretty much are playing two different roles, even though it's the same named character. All right, all right. Um, Nick, she then went into uh, explaining a bit about the tone of the galaxy during this era. I mean, we were initially told it was 80 years prior. I've, I've seen some people now say 50. Who the fuck knows? We just know it's, it's uh, yeah, prior I to the Phantom that, Menace yeah, like, by multiple decades, High Republic type of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here, here's what she says. In the context of the Star Wars universe, it's a time of great peace, theoretically. It's also a time of an institution. And it's a time in which conceptions around the Force are very strict. And I think that what we're trying to explore within our show is when an institution has a singular conception of how power can be used, we try to provide a lot of different perspectives and answers to that question. The idea is to kind of honor the ethos of Star Wars and ideas around the Force and also challenge them, hopefully harmoniously. So to me, she sounds like she's... Essentially saying, like, look, the, the Jedi are so fucking stuck in their ways, set in their ways. There is no room for growth, for explorations of other uses of the Force, other sides of the Force, if you will. And that's ultimately, as we know, is what's going to lead to their downfall and the rise of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the way that she described it. Um, you know, this time in the galaxy, for those of you who are up to date on the high Republic stuff, which I'm not. So like, I, I, I don't know all of the happenings, but I know that there's the faction out there called the Nihil that's been kind of, you know, causing issues in the galaxy that in, in the Jedi were, were diver, uh, diverting some resources to deal with them. There was like that whole plot line with like the sentient plants or whatever. I don't know if that's still going on. That was causing some problems. So there were, you know, some 
uh, antagonistic forces out in the galaxy, but it was definitely a peaceful time in terms of like the Sith Jedi conflict, like open war, at least, you know, from what was, you know, put, this is pulling from timelines that are no longer canon anymore. But like the last time that there was open war between Jedi and Sith factions, uh, yeah, I mean, prior to the, uh, the Phantom Menace was like a thousand or 2000 years ago. So it was a long time. Um, so it's very interesting that, you know, she mentions that, um, and is in line with what we're thinking about in terms of high Republic right now. What I do like is the, the idea that they're going to be challenging the way that, that the force is being handled. And this actually kind of feeds back into, um, what I was talking about for her character, because if she is a double agent, then she would be very very keen on the tenets that Jedi teach you and how restrictive they are in terms of like, well, you can do this, but you can't do that. I mean, just think back to the prequels when they're saying to Anakin, like, well, you know, don't, don't, don't project out into the future. It's all bullshit. Or you can't do that. Like you can't learn this, or this isn't something that's going to be taught to you by the Jedi, or you're only allowed to use powers this way. Yoda's still sitting around that table, man. So and he's he holds on to those rules all the way up through the fall of yeah. the order. So the fact that um, you know, this this other faction that Amanda's character is probably gonna be working with is is looking for different perspectives and trying to like essentially like pushing the boundaries of 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 how the force can be used is is very interesting. And it almost makes it seem like they're not they may not be expressly like dark side Bad. users. Yeah, that that's what I was going to run with. I'm glad you, you kind of kicked that off. I, I'm kind of thinking now, Nick, she it may be as simple as, you know, some of the stuff Anakin was looking to do, save people from dying. You know, she, she I believe she's going to have a sister in the show. It, it could be something very simple that she knows if she could use the force to 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 intervene, she could save somebody. Yeah. But obviously that that's going to go against the ethos of the Jedi at this time, uh, how they believe the force should be used. So not as hard as Anakin, but, but that could start pushing her to start to seek out other information about the force, which could lead her to other factions that, uh, you know, are, are dabbling in no, no force powers of that era and like Nick said, she's not ultimately bad at heart. She just knows there's more to her abilities and she wants to explore them. Yet the Jedi are kind of handcuffing her. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like even going further into, you know, my speculation about her being a double agent, I, w- what we could be seeing in this show, which would be super interesting, is the 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 idea that there were these sp- Jedi that kind of drifted away from the order. Like if you went back to old canon, there there were, I think it was 10 lost Jedi or something like that during the time of the Grand Republic. The, and like Count Dooku was one of them, but it was, it was this group of Jedi that essentially like splintered themselves off of the order and decided like, hey, I, I, I don't want to be a part of this order anymore for whatever reason. Like, could we be seeing some sort of similar storytelling within in the Acolyte where it's like, it's not just a Mandalus character. There are other Jedi within the order that are like, 
that know that there's knowledge out there that they could be getting and in, in, in learning from and in putting into action, but they're being prevented from doing that. Um, so, so it could be that like, you know, maybe it's a group of Jedi that are clandestinely going out and learning about, you know, forbidden knowledge in the force from, you know, farther reaches of the galaxy that, that haven't been explored yet or that have been, uh, cut off from, from standard Jedi travels or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, that leads back into maybe they're not bad. They're just, they're, they're trying to expand their knowledge and then they become marked, you know, enemies of the Jedi or something like that. Well, and, and we all know as good as your intentions are, the moment you start playing with fire, in this case, darker aspects of the force, you never know where it can take you. Yeah. Like it, I mean, look at what it did to our boy. Our boy, he just said, hey, I wasn't corrupted yet. I was just conflicted. And within the snap of a finger, he becomes a mass murderer. Yeah. So one taste of the dark side. He wipes out his entire order, murders kids, murders all the heads <laughs> of the separatists, uh, gets himself almost murdered and then continues to murder for another 20 plus years. <laughs> you know, I, I would uh, I would hope that. Uh, <laughs> this this series takes it a little bit less. Uh, it's not as zero to a hundred as well, that. Hey, hey hear me out here, because when Connor was on the show from at Beyond the Dune Sea, we were we, for whatever reason we we're talking acolyte, and he kind of threw out there. He's like, "Listen, w- what if the acolyte doesn't make it out, and the Jedi actually do kill her?" Oh, I mean, it's highly but, but likely they, that. But she they doesn't. sweep it all under the rug because they want to keep the. The image going that, yeah, there, there's no dark side in the galaxy. We're Jedi. We kick ass. There's nothing wrong with our order. None of our members would ever go rogue. And I kind of dug that. Like, yeah, that's just that's just where their hubris really starts. Like, hey, we'll, we'll just we'll just sweep this under the rug. No one has to know about this acolyte. It's just a blip. Just yeah. a blip. There's no, there's no Darth Plagueis out there. There's no Sidious coming down the line. We're good. We took care of it. Everyone go back to wearing your gold robes and shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's very possible, you know, because right. as we've said with everything, with all of the content that either leads <laughs> into or is... Skywalker Saga it, it, is the equalizer. Yeah, like you, you either die or you disappear. <laughs> like, so these characters whoever they may be when we're yeah. introduced to them will either end up dead or disappeared. That's I love. I love that's <laughs> fantastic. I can't wait till the, the, the Mando verse runs end. So Nick and I can do our who, who died and who disappeared themselves yeah. before the sequel trilogy. Cause that, that's really where we're at. We're that, that's our marker all the way up to the sequels. Who's alive or who's dead. Who disappeared. I like that. Who disappeared. Yeah. So <laughs> who conveniently got narratively disappeared. Oh, shit. All right. Well, there you go. A little acolyte news and Andor news, even though it's not news, but we like to disguise it as such. It is Bad Batch time, my friends. That's right. Matt and Nick, we do our patented full deep dive breakdown every week, only a few hours after a new episode drops. This episode was titled A Different Approach. Only one this week, which kind of a bummer based on the end. I was ready to sit down for at least another 25 minutes to see where things uh, would go next, but uh, just kind of getting into it. My brief review here. I, my full one is out on YouTube.com/slash Star Wars Time Show, by the way. So go check that out. But um, quite frankly, really enjoyed the episode. It, it started a bit slow for me. Not gonna lie, not not like filler slow. I just I was getting annoyed at Omega. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say it. Like 
Sometimes her Dudley do-right shit is a little too much for me, especially in the scenario they're in. Uh, early on, I was kind of buying in the crosshair. Like, what are we doing? I'm. We are marked. You are literally the most valuable person in the galaxy. We need to just worry about getting the fuck out of here. She's worried about bringing dogs, you know, paying off bribes, paying off little bum kid bribes. It just got to a point. It's like, Omega, come on. When are you going to have to make that hard fucking choice that your brothers all have had to make? Yeah. Yeah. Enough of this. You can't save everybody all the time. We learned this last year with tech. Sometimes you've got to make the hard choice. So that stuff was bothering me a little bit. But once we got into the, the bar Love the, uh, the 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 tension that was felt during the you know once the imperial captain came in, kind of shaking him down like a like a gangster mafioso. Uh, but obviously the highlight of this episode, what really made it kind of stand out for me, being a girl dad, was that end man. I mean that reunion was as fucking perfect as you can make it. The music that the uh, team Kiner used was again brilliantly woven into the animation to just kind of heighten the emotions you feel there and like i said as as a father it especially to a little girl seeing her run up and and hunter kneeling down i was like oh god damn i love star wars emotions shit's getting me a little misty right now and and that's how i know it's like you know what there's some good fucking content today so uh, ultimately really enjoyed the episode can't wait to see where things go next and i really wish we got some more today because that end and, and the way Crosshair was kind of iced out by his bros, I, I really want to see what they say. So that, that's kind of my my quick take there, Nick. How about you? Yeah, uh, episode was solid, self-contained. Um, definitely, you know, picked up where we thought it would kind of right after the escape happened. Um, yeah, I think that it was, it's interesting to me that, you know, the, I mean, right now the, the, the pace seems a little slow. I'll just put it like that. Like, like the, the show is on, you know, limited time. We know that this is the last season. We know that we are, um, you know, not going to get any more after that. We only got nine episodes left. Um, so it was interesting to me that they didn't delve into any of the other storylines that were going on here. Um, oh yeah. Good point. I forgot to bring that. I, I did not, I didn't appreciate that the lore was more or less just glossed over. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, like obviously there, there need to do some relationship building between Crosshair and Omega. And that's what this episode was primarily focused on. But I do think that it, th- there could have been value from check-ins back at, uh, at Tantus. I know that we had the brief, you know, scene between Hemlock and, and Nalase and, we saw Hemlock's team kind of show up at the crash shuttle. Um, but yeah, it, it like overall, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, you know, cool to see the card game. Like you said, that was kind of the centerpiece of this, of this episode was like that, that showdown um, with Omega essentially winning enough money to get them out. And then obviously having the, the issues crop up with the Imperial officer and all the how, other how shit. About that so. guy? I mean, that, I really, that is one of my notes here to bring up with you. It, I thought that captain in the little bite size that we got him was the perfect portrayal of Imperial corruption. Yeah. I mean, the motherfucker rolls into the bar, shakes him down just like a, you know, a mob boss would. 
gambles with someone. Then when he loses at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, you got to pay the gambling fee because this is illegal. Yeah. Steals their pet. And then when they want the pet back, they're like, oh, yeah, no animals on here. You got to pay that yeah, fee, you gotta too. Pay I mean, that. He was just that's like as imperial as it gets. It, and we're still only maybe two years in. Yeah. Like it, it it took no time at all to get scumbags into the imperial officer ranks to just start shaking down all these planets and towns across the galaxy. It's like vintage empire. You got to love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They're just out from the go. Like they're, they're not messing they around. Are. I mean, it really is. It, it's the, it's the fucking mob. And, and this guy just excelled at being a, an imperial pig. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the use of that character was done really well. Um, obviously I think the, the theme here is Omega essentially trying to maintain her innocence, you know, like that's why she's pushing back on crosshair every time crosshair is like, look, you know, our lives are on the line. We need to be able to act fast. And what you're doing is taking too long. Like she, like we, we do have to remember that she's still a kid. Like she's, you know, trying even in this, you know, in this universe and what she's already been through, she's trying to maintain some level of, of innocence about herself. And I guess is just not ready to commit to just wantonly killing everybody <laughs> in front of her to, to, to get her way yeah, really quickly. So um, oh, but yeah, I mean, hey, she, she got there eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, like, she eventually, when, when she when, knew she was toast, she's like, all right, let's, let's try your, your method this yeah, time. Yeah. When, when, when Betcha went missing, it was just like, you know what? Maybe it is time to just kill everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I, it was a relatively self-contained little story here. Um, you can see where it's setting up because, you know, Omega has already mentioned to Crosshair, like, hey, we have to go back to Tantus. We can't just leave see, everybody I, there. That's kind of what I was feeling last week. I mean, I Nick, at this point, I I don't think she's going to get recaptured. I, I, I no. think she's going to convince everyone who's like, why the fuck will we go back there? Her, her mission from here on out is to get everyone that is freed to go with her and, and release those motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. So instead of it being like a, we have to go back, it is more of a, well, we got to go back because Omega's making us go back yes. <laughs> type of deal. Um, yeah, it's, it's the deadly do right. But uh, you know, I, as I kind of said, in my official review, it's like, you know, I guess we kind of need these types of characters here. Like they're just pure heroes. Uh, I just at one point in time, I know Bango, he left, but, you know, maybe maybe she has to make the hard choice in the finale. That would be a nice touch where she Omega finally has to experience a little bit of a sacrifice and, and loss based on her choice, not someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For sure. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Let's, let's rattle through some of the top moments and we'll check in on some Easter not eggs and yeah. references. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, top moment where we've been kind of talking about it, but I, I really did like the card game for mostly what I was talking about. It, it was another it, it was not necessarily the card game, Nick. It was the it was the standoff after when he's shaking them down mm -hmm. and the the level of tension the writers were able to build up and then Kiner coming in. And I don't know if you, you heard it, but literally just used like a heartbeat. It was just like a doo 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 do do and it was it was perfect for this moment because you're like all right is crosshair just gonna start shooting is is this guy really just looking for a fee or does he know something so i i thought it was a for the first time this episode you finally kind of ratcheted up that anxiety as the viewer going like uh oh things could get a little squirrely here and i credit that to the sleaze bag imperial captain perfectly scripted 
but probably even more so to what Kiner chose to do in this scene in terms of the score. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, this was kind of that pivotal moment where it really did come down to like, you know, cross is crosshair going to trust Omega through the whole thing or is he going to lose it and, and, and really start to just fire it off. And (laughs) I think that they use that moment well to show that even though it, it only has been, you know, a little bit of time since these two have had to work together that they're already, you know, there's already some level of trust between them. Um, so I think that they did a good job there and, um, yeah, I mean, this whole episode really did a good job of, of that relationship building in a very short amount of time. So I will give the writers credit. Yeah. On that. You know, I, I, I forgot to bring that up. I, I, I agree. I think the, the dynamic feature in this episode between Omega and Crosshair was fantastic. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it starts his usual kind of gruff and icy way, but you know, by the end he's realizing like, Holy shit, this, she's a functional unit member. I mean, like, we're getting shit done. Her her plans are working, and when I'm needed, I'm needed. And you know they they did work well together. They both got off a of Tantus, which no clone has been able to do. They've now secured another transport to get away from the Empire on Luau, and they ran into their bros. And you know we'll talk about that scene coming up here in a second. But they they really did have a a very interesting dynamic, and you can slowly see through Omega crosshair becoming <laughs> more empathetic i i don't know i mean a little a little less one zero black and white does that make sense yeah yeah i mean i also like given crosshair's recent history like he he kind of knows that like he can't go back to the empire just straight up they're gonna murder him right. and if he doesn't work his way back into the good graces of the batch and you know right now getting into the good graces means getting into Omega's good graces, then he's just kind of fucked, you know? Like if if he shows up to the batch meeting and Omega's like, yeah, this motherfucker almost got us killed. Like he's he's just they would just <laughs> She just stabs him in the neck. Yeah, like, like it would be like they would either kill him or they would abandon him. So like he he really has like very few options in terms of how he can act now because he has very little uh, opportunities in front of him. It's either like hook back up with Hunter and Wrecker and the rest of, you know, his allies, his former allies, or he's literally on his own trying to not get killed by the empire. Yeah. I mean, Nick, if, if you remember this entire exchange, she essentially says like, hey, dude, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Here's the credits. I don't give a shit. Go, go save yourself. I'm Omega. I'm going to do the right thing. And it worked like he like like she's she's working on him. So, um, you know, I, I think these two are going to have a very special send off. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're they're, they're kind of angling this like last year, how. Omega and Tech spent a lot of time together, which we're we're seeing the fruits of that now. I mean, Omega, she can fly ships. She knows all the the clone commands. That's all because of Tech. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if people remember that, but I mean, her and Tech were kind of kind of buddies, especially after Echo left in season two. So, yeah, I don't know. I just you're, you're right. These two together in this episode was was definitely a a highlight. Um, another top moment was the. I was a big fan of the escape. I mean, let's be real. We're (laughs) 
we got little brains over here at SWTS. So whenever you see some action, some bright lights, laser blasters, mm-hmm. uh, stormtroopers in action, stormtroopers and ponchos in action, it's exciting. So I, I did, I did enjoy the escape. I, I liked how it started. Where you know they're they're just kind of one of those. Uh, what do they call it? A standoff, Mexican standoff. Yeah. And that's when Omega is finally like, oh, yeah, you know what, Crosshair, it's time to do it your way. And, you know, we get into the shooting, uh, the release of all those those animals and just straight chaos. I think someone was calling it like Jurassic Park, Star Wars. Um, and then I'm not going to lie, but Homeboy with the goggles wearing a poncho could be my new favorite stormtrooper. I mean, mm-hmm. how how great does that look? Stormtroopers and ponchos. And then the best part, Nick, is when they take off. He just sits there like an idiot <laughs> eating exhaust, like like spaceship yeah. exhaust. You you can see like the heat waves radiating <laughs> off his face mask. And then when she hits go, he gets his ass shot off the sentry tower. I don't know. I just I thought it's like that's a nice touch. Yeah, that's that's why you got to love cartoons. You can, you can do little gags like you, that and get you know away with it. What that look reminded me of it's Sca- it, that it reminds me of Scav Ray when she has her helmet on at the beginning of. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I see CFA. that. Yeah, his helmet in particular, for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know who else is wearing a poncho like this now? I remember Rex in season three one oh. of the bad batch i think he showed up in that poncho a poncho like this but yeah yeah poncho yeah. trooper was that was a nice little treat in this episode and um last top moment here and man it was a, it was a banger I, I loved how they did this i love how they shot it obviously i love how they scored it but i'm talking about the reunion you know at first you have to wonder is it are they really going to be there is that them or, or someone already got in their ship and they're kind of setting it up? And then, you know, you got the shot of Omega just looking at the open door on the Marauder and then the big guy comes in, you get the silhouette and he, you know, he's like the big dummy gets all happy. We've crossed the galaxy four times looking for you. And then you hear Hunter five. five yeah. And it just like, man, how touching It's just, just to see the way, that they light up these these gruff motherfuckers these guys built and bred to be expert warriors just melted when she showed up and and yeah i love that hunter's like hey you know we were all over the galaxy and it was you were the one you were the one that saved yourself and found us kind of highlighting how um you know skilled she's become and and how adept she's become at being just like they used to be and they were trained to be uh, the emotions were impossible to shake, especially if you're someone with with young kids, a young daughter. It, it's just like this is this is why I love Star Wars. It's when I have emotional reactions to the point where me, as a 43 year old white man who was trained to never have emotion, never let anyone know you're upset. It's impossible to block those watching this type of stuff. I mean, especially Hunter. Being a dad and knowing what it's like to kneel down so you're eye level with the little people, it, it was just fantastic. And, and Nick, I don't, I don't know if you picked up on it, but I think what made it even more emotional is what Kiner did with the score. So he kind of was using a different background track when she first lands and, and, and sees Wrecker and gives him a hug. Then it just perfectly blends into Omega's theme when she's with Hunter but then as the other reveals about to happen, it slides into crosshairs, very noticeable, somewhat eerie and sinister theme. 
And we kind of get that shocking reaction to him being her partner from his brother. So I, I, I just, I love the reunion. I, I thought it was fantastic. It, it, it paid off on their, on their separation. It felt authentic. It felt like each character was, it was experiencing those emotions at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, the reunion was fantastic. The, the exclusion, well, I wouldn't say exclusion, but definitely the ire thrown towards crosshair, like is a really good, um, you know, like, obviously it's an enticing way to end it. Like you said, you know, you see the end of this episode and you're like, fuck, I wish I could watch the next one right now. They want to rip him to pieces. Yeah. Systematically kind of wookie him. I mean, dude, and rightfully so, you know, I mean, not let's get into this. Cause I, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit shocked at how icy they were solely because in season two, he literally reached out with code 99 or whatever to kind of help them is like that didn't buy him any 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 good grace I no it doesn't doesn't appear I, so. I think what it bought him was we didn't shoot you as soon as we walked off this ship <laughs> like that's what it bought him because if he didn't do that and he just showed up and the last things that he did you know in in the minds of hunter and wrecker was betray the batch and put them in situation and like and actively put them in danger in a way that got their, you know, one of their brothers killed, then he was dead on site. Like he was, he was wrecker food on site. Like wrecker would have run him down <laughs> and fucking just ripped his head off. Rip him in half. Yeah. Like and, Deadpool got ripped. And the fact that they have just scowled at him and not physically harmed him is probably <laughs> what that, that bought record just throws a missile at him yeah he pulls like, it out of his backpack i love the wide shot by the way yeah. just kind of sh- it, it, it's yes it was physical distance but it also represents the emotional distance between these characters at this point in time because yeah. if you're on the live stream i mean we know their ships were pretty much right next to each other but it looks like they're miles apart and that yeah. that's where we're at at least with the with the bros here so exactly exactly I, I, I was like hey guys you know he did he did try to kind of key in the what the empire was doing i know after he almost killed you all and tried to kill omega and that stuff but come on you know he had a change of heart people can change show show him a little love and, and we know listen it's gonna happen just because omega's there i mean omega is the peacemaker she is she's gonna kind of mediate this 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 tension and by next episode, they'll probably all be on that mission we saw in the trailer. To be honest with you, I mean it. It, it looks like we're we're headed that way. So you know what I'm, uh, you know what I think is gonna like. Unfortunately, I think we're going back to Pabu in the next episode. Uh, it hurts me to say that, but you it think? makes the most sense because like, where else do like, they really have to go? I mean, like they've just come together, so now it's like the regroup and like, what are we gonna do? Yeah, time? yeah. Like, so they, I, I got you. So they, <laughs> they, they all go there and they're like, "All right, we did it. Problem solved. Save the day. We're done." And Omega's gonna be like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, yeah. uh, no, and, we're not even close to done." And now all of our bros are on that mountain. Exactly. And and who else are there? The the little clone boys. That yeah. you know. So it's not only gonna be like well, we have to go figure out what to do. Then the clone boys are going to figure out like, oh, all of our clone brothers are at this facility. We got to go help them. And then it, that's what it's going to turn into. Is like, Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, we might as well just speculate now. We'll do eggs and references next. But I think you you're, might be spot on. It's like, let, let's go to Pabu and now the team's back together. 
the you know the 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 dads were gonna be like, hey, we're good, we're safe, we need to save other clones who get you know we, we don't worry about Tantus and Omega is gonna keep driving that issue to the point where they're like, all right, we gotta we gotta get Rex, we gotta get Echo, we gotta get them back, and we gotta start planning for what we need to find Tantus, and then yeah, here we go. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, because it's it's like. Now that they're all together, all the good guys are together, main good guys, that that's our narrative vehicle. So yeah. are we really are they really going to spend a lot of time just with Hemlock and Nala say again? Probably not. Like and that that kind of bums me out cuz that's the lore I want to learn about, but it it really won't make a lot of sense to spend too much time with the empire at this point in time outside of their plotting and planning to hunt down Omega. Yeah. And, and what I'm interested in on that side, on the, on the Imperial side is the one question that, that we brought up last week and we've talked about a couple of times is, you know, n- now that Nala say is in lockup, like she is essentially like her death warrant has been signed. Like, yeah, I mean, Hemlock does- says like, yeah, listen, I, I can't really tell you what your future is going to hold, but we'll, we'll get Omega back. Yeah. What I'm wondering is like, is this when she uses the Boba Fett bargaining chip? You know, like okay, I'm glad you I'm glad you're going here, because I you know I was I was kicking the tires on this with uh, Connor from Beyond, and he made he made a good point, and I want to kind of see what you think of this. You know, we know they're both unaltered clones, but when we use the term unaltered, it it kind of falls a bit short with Omega because she is a female versus a male. And and it does seem like Nala Say has, she clearly has has feelings for Omega, but but why? It, it, it's yeah. almost starting to feel like Nala Say has purposely done something with Omega for a reason that may serve her or the greater galaxy. That that's not clear because we know she's special. But uh, what, what do you think about that? Like Bo, Boba isn't the same because. He 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 essentially wasn't Nala Say's personal clone toy. Yeah, I mean it could all. I mean it could come down to like, you know, something that that Nala Say had either you know done to her during her like, that, yeah, that, period. I don't know what to that, call that's, it. That's that that's kind of what I, yeah. we're thinking here. Like, yes, yeah, she she was unaltered from Django outside of the sex, but. Over those years, when she was working with Nala Say, she she was doing stuff. Could yeah, it, it for could. for a reason. I mean, I, I think Connor and those guys are like, you know, does Nala Say look at Omega as as a kid? Is that her kid? I mean, is that is that why she's protective? Is that why she made her special? I mean, in this episode, and and we just figured Nala's you know blowing smoke up his ass, but she's awesome by the way. I, I love Nala Say and the fact that she's monotone and just bitch slaps people mm. in a monotone. <laughs> delivery and she's like yeah nick you're a piece of shit and it it actually sounds like she said hey man you're a piece of shit you know i love it's perfect but anyways she she calls omega an aberration an aberration clearly probably you know not not playing into hemlock's guess that oh yeah hey you 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 did something special to her she is my secret but it, it may also be slightly true she is a a slight aberration from from yeah. Django, from but, you know, whatever Nala did to her, that's why she is able to receive the force. No, you're I mean, you're excuse me, 100 percent right about that. Like that it cleans up the Boba thing because I, I that was bothering me. It's like, come on, this is stupid. But, but it's, it's also like, right. like if you're Nala say and they now know that Omega, 
her blood is working. Would oh, you, I, I got you. Would you yeah. not, as Nala say, be like, throw oh, him under the bus? Yeah, just be like, hey, look, there's another unaltered clone out there that's way Good easier point. to find than Omega. You know what? You may have solved the secret in the how we get him on the show. You know, I mean, it, technically, he could be one of Hemlock's operatives. You know, Hemlock dropped that in this episode. I don't know if anyone picked that up. He's like, hey, don't worry. We're. He's like, yeah. activate the operative. Yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be bounty hunters, people like Fennec, uh, Cad, maybe Boba. But I, I like Nick's way to get Boba in. That would be kind of cool. Like Nala knowing that he's not going to work, but it would be a pretty solid pitch to Hemlock. Like, hey, listen, dude, I don't know if you knew this or if you guys blew up all the fucking records, but there was another unaltered clone. It was Django's son. His name's Boba. I think you dickheads have him locked up in a prison right now for some yeah. train heist. He tried to pull off. Like, I, I just don't like for me, if you're an Allah say that is the easiest way yeah. out. Like, no, you're right. You're, you, you, you tell the guy, it's like, you want to know why it works? She's unaltered. She's an unaltered clone. There's another one out there that is actually even further unaltered than she is. And it's Boba Fett. And he like you could literally call this motherfucker up on the phone. He is a he is a readily available bounty hunter, or he's in your custody. <laughs> yeah, just like, say you say you got some work, and he he yeah. will deliver himself to you. And and at the very least, what it does is it buys time. You know, like even if they even if you know they're like, yeah, we got Boba Fett in lockup. We can get to him in a week. Like that buys Omega a week of time where they're yeah. not solely focused on her. I don't know, man. I, I love what you're selling here. Which but I means don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, nah, there, there, there's no fucking chance in hell, man. Anytime either one of us has a good narrative idea, you can guarantee take it to the bank, stone cold pipe lock. It's not happening. Yeah. And and like, I, I don't know if it's because like, you know, like we, we, we like we are assuming that the blood is working because it's unaltered clone DNA. They haven't said that. They haven't said why Omega's blood is the one that's working. Yeah, th that's just the one variable we know. There's, there there exactly. has to be another variable that Nala has introduced. Yeah. So if it is more around, you know, the, you know, whatever happened to Omega or whatever Nala say did to Omega during those years as, as her apprentice, then yeah, obviously. But if I'm in lockup and I... I can sell a reason to the people that have me locked up to like, Hey, don't fucking kill me yet because I have more information. I'm, yeah. I'm giving it. I, yeah, dude, I love <laughs> it. I, I think it's, it's, it, it would be, it would make even more sense than bringing him in as a bounty hunter because he's still like a pop. I mean, he's Omega. Yeah. He, he's a pop man. He's a teen. Uh, and I, yeah, I know he's rolling around with R and bosking them at this point, but he, he's like their mini boss leader. It, it just, it would, it would, it would look weird. So I think Nick's idea is fucking killer, and I'm with Bat. Like we said this when we were doing our wants and predictions for the season, the Boba has to be in it, man. You can't just hey, the Alpha and the Omega is like no. And I, Nick, you got it, bro. So let's just delete it. It's not going to happen, but that the, would be the only the other thing way to do it that I could think of for the Alpha Omega thing is if they have like Django Fett's head stored somewhere. Like, they, and they just take his blood directly from his fucking head. I don't know. Cause it, the, the alpha to me, like we've been saying, and like you've been saying is Boba. So like, mm -hmm. there's nowhere else to go with it. it and you've already brought it up. So like, yeah, yeah I don't I don't know. Know. B Bat's thinking we may get him introduced with Ventress. All right. 
Take it. She used to roll in that circle. Yeah, I mean, know. you know, she could be, you know, related or she could run in, in that circle now that she's yeah, been just, resurrected or whatever. <laughs> I'm with everyone else. I'm I'm Team Boba. He it just makes too much sense to come in. You you can't introduce the fact that he has a twin sister and then they just never interact. That's that's poor. That is poor, poor writing. That is not good. Yeah. All right. So so let, let's just let's just keep we'll our see. fingers crossed we'll see. and in pretend land, we, we get Nick's speculation in how Boba is brought into the show, because I, I think that's the most intelligent way to do it. it makes the most sense story wise, and it lines up with existing and future canons. So all hail young Nick. <sighs> I had an idea, but now it's gone. So who gives a shit? Uh, real quick, eggs and references here. The card game, man, I mean, the, the cards did kind of had the, the angled edges like a Sabacc deck, so I just ran with their playing Sabacc. Yeah, I think it is. We're all just going to say yes. Did I? That. I think I showed I bought a Sabacc deck when I was in. You uh, got what? Yeah, I, I, uh, Intern bought me one a few years back, and I still have yet to learn how to play it. So. Yeah, I want to play. I know you can play it with two people, and Taylor and I, I do. Bet it's, I bet it's a decent game. Speaking of yeah. decent games that involve cards. And Nick, you may be on this because I, I don't know like how much you you get into the, the the gaming scene and what's trending currently. But apparently, this Bala Toro game have not heard. It's like that. a rogue rogue poker deck builder on Steam. Apparently, in its first day, it sold three hundred thousand copies. Oh wow! And, and people are like, "Oh, I've spent forty hours in the demo, and now twenty hours in the real game." It's just, it, it sounds like it's poker, but it's not poker. So Interesting. What's it go. called again? B-A-L-A-T-O-R-O, I believe. Bala Toro. I'll check it yeah, out and one see. One man development studio, and it sounds like he's probably going to change his life with it. So Yeah, it seems. <laughs> if, if he sold 300000 immediately, then yeah. But but if anyone needs like a to a reason to dust off their, their Steam Deck, it sounds like this is the game. Yeah, to go with right now. What I have been playing recently is um I got that game on for on PS5. It's called Banishers, um, Ashes of New Eden or something like that, which is like an action RPG. I played a little bit of that, so I've been playing that and then um yeah, just like bouncing between like mobile yeah, stuff. I'm I'm still on FFXVI. Indigna. Oh, like yeah. I, I really like the story. It's very in-depth, it's very um fan that's no, stupid to say fantasy based with with final fantasy no yeah. shit asshole <laughs> it's more nick it, it, it's kind of like more kings and queens type of shit for a final fantasy does, yeah. does that make sense like yeah hey, that, there's that this lines kingdom. up more with like final fantasy 12 okay like final fantasy go. 12 was similarly like a kingdom yeah, it's not like like seven's my favorite where you know it's just you're in a city you got a big evil corporation raping the planet i mean and speaking of that I wish I was done with uh, XXVI because or XVI because I think the second installment of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake dropped this week. Yeah, and I think it's out I now. love that shit because as we discovered, I can turn on a mode where I only have to walk my character. Yeah, <laughs> that's there you it. Go. Like, that's it. I just have to hit go and it does everything else for me. Anyways, back on track. The second little reference here and it came with the demise of the captain, but we had some Rathars in those cages, people. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like uh, Han and Chewie were transporting in, in TFA when, you know, they're they're messing with those those two gangs. They let them loose. 
to help aid in their escape. But it was nice to get that. And I, I, I do watch these early in the morning. I, my brain could be playing tricks on me. But I swear, and I, I'm going to have to go back and listen a few more times. But when, when they let all the animals out, I swear you hear some porgs in there. Like <laughs> it would not surprise me, dude. It would not I surprise me. I swear they, they snuck that sound effects in there. So there you go. That is the, the, the SWTS full deep dive breakdown. We gave you the eggs, the references, the top moments, the reviews, speculations. Nick even laid the groundwork for next week's episode. So you can't do much better than that. That's why there is always time for Star Wars time. All right. Yeah, Nova's Nova's got a good point here. I can't see Omega liking Boba much though. Yeah, not nah. They're they're two wildly different personalities at this point in time. Yeah, very, Boba very literally hates clones, like fucking can't stand them, and uh, he's been raised by bounty hunters his whole yeah. life. So, um, there is one piece of news that popped up since we have started this podcast okay. that um, what we got. I dropped it in the general channel, Matt. So if you want to pull it up, but that, uh, that, that first person shooter Mandalorian game that we just heard about last week canceled (laughs) already respawn star Wars FPS is canceled. Pulling it up now. Um, and this is a result of EA, um, laying off 670 people, uh, which is about 5% of that that man. Tech is getting drilled right now. Yes, it Um, is. I got a buddy at PlayStation and they just fucking whacked a ton of people. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. A lot of like Sony. Yeah, uh, serious. I had another buddy there. They just had to whack a lot of a lot of tech. Yeah, I know. I don't know I if mean, it's like all one from of, AI or better workflows or just the loss in revenue. But man, it's it's rough out there for. Yeah, you geeky motherfuckers. I mean, the the video game landscape in general is not good. So much so that like I don't know how many people here follow it tangentially or or however. Uh, Microsoft is now basically saying like we're just going to release all of our first party titles on PlayStation. No, I I heard that, but isn't Sony already just saying PlayStation Five is dead? Like they're they're done with it. They're they're going to start looking towards the next one. I think that like generationally, they're definitely starting to like look forward to PS Six or whatever it's going to be, which, which is seems extremely short compared to the P- the PS Four. The they're still making games for it. Yeah, I'm say the PS Four Gen was very quick. And here's my issue with it: is that there hasn't been a step up in like user tech, like at home user technology that would necessitate a new console like these consoles that we have now aren't even maxed out to the point to where like you know your your at home stuff can't like you know keep up with it or or whatever like i think they said that both of these consoles were supposed to be capable of 8k we don't even have 8k user tvs out yet and if they do they're crazy expensive like these these consoles are can do 120 frames apparently and we haven't unlocked that yet. So, yeah, I don't know if it's just a short console oh, generation 120 or what. definitely work. Like, if you have the right gear. Like, I, my TV now, I just had to get the new one because I'm a dick face. It's OLED. It's beautiful. But every port supports... Yeah, 120, uh, the, yeah. The, the, the mean, HFF and the VRR. Yeah, like, my TV has 120 frame, like, all, you know, all that here, good stuff, it, dude, too. I, I'm like, an old fuck. I grew up with pixel games. Yeah. 
So the the fact that we've gotten to where I, I envisioned things were going, I, I was like, how much better can it get? I don't give a fuck about light rays. Yeah. Okay. I don't give a fuck about shiny water. I just want the game to be fun and yeah. the story to be interesting. So and I, th- I, I, I don't know if I am going to need the next consoles. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like I have, I mean, primarily for me now, I'm, I'm playing mostly on PC because PC gets everything. Like even Sony exclusives are, are, are coming to PC more regularly now. So like, you know, consoles are, are not as important as they once hey, were. Have you heard about this one that Devin's talking about? Because I've seen a lot, and I almost want to just look at it. Helldivers Two. Oh, dude, I've I've heard incredible things about Helldivers Two. I haven't played it yet, and I've seen some people play it, but from what I've seen and heard, it's essentially Starship Troopers the video game. Even though there is another Starship Troopers video game that just released, this is just like super polished yeah, Starship Troopers. But, you know, they're like hell divers in that kind of the, the ODST troopers from Halo where yeah. they literally drop them from orbit. Yeah. So, I, I need to check it out. I, I have a feeling it's probably not for me because I, I don't like to compete see, in games anymore, but if but it's like, like a teamwork game or co-op. Yeah, sure. it's, it's a co-op game and I think it's a lot like that one that you really got into for a while there. What was it? Like that something Riders? Or Outriders. Outriders. I feel like it's similar to Outriders. Well, um, shit, it's a sequel. I never even knew the, the fucking first. I thought the first Helldivers was like a it was like a retro game. Or am I on crack? <laughs> Probably on crack. So Yeah, no. I don't remember I gotta, the first I gotta one. look this up. Helldivers Hell 1, 2015, PlayStation exclusive. Oh. Um, the box art looks familiar. The box art, like the box art for the first one feels very Halo. Or like feels very Destiny, like Destiny Halo kind of, like Bungie basically. But yeah, I mean, like I've heard good things about it. Um, I haven't played it yet. I think it's available on PC too. Um, but yeah, th- th- that is another game that is getting a lot of hype. But I think that like yeah, look the, at this this video, basically Starship Troopers extraction game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I will say that like on the general like game industry right now, I think that what a lot of people are seeing or what a lot of studios are seeing is that people are just buying less games. Like people aren't buying games as frequently and they're tending to skew more towards like, you know, like live service games, which is why a lot of studios put emphasis on live service. That's why Bun- like Sony bought Bungie was for their live service expertise because that's what Destiny is. It's a live service game. Um, so I think that there's not a lot of faith in the game industry right now that like the 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 way that releases have been happening, like, you know, console exclusives and, and like single player story and, and stuff like that is going to be the way that the industry moves. So there's been a lot of shakeups, especially at, you know, large scale developers like EA Activision did layoffs, like Activision did like three rounds of layoffs over the last year. Um, you know, obviously Microsoft has had layoffs. Sony's had their layoffs too. So like. Yeah, what ga- Nick is saying is we're all fucked. Yeah. Have fun while you can because yeah. the world's ending in a few months. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've been watching this for a little bit. This looks fucking awesome. Yeah. It's like, it, it seems super right. fun for sure. I need, I need to look into that. All right, Devin, way to send us way off a schedule and track, pal. Yeah. 
Where's your buddy Props? He's probably acting in a Star Wars movie right now. Could be. Or whining and dying with Lauren Mary Kim out of, on some set or doing something fun. Going yeah. to Lucasfilm sideshow. Yeah. If I... J- Justin used to sit around and listen to our two dumbasses. Now he's out there like mingling with Star Wars cast and crew. Yeah, How about that? exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Matt, if you, uh, if you decide to pick this game up on PS5, let me know, because I haven't had a reason to buy it either, right. and it's multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm like, Ooh, I really want to finish Final Fantasy. I want to start 7, but this just, it looks yeah. like something I could really get into. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll yeah. slack you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Let, All let, right. let me know if you, if you want to play it. But yeah, Good so. little impromptu news there from Young Nick. Respawn Star Wars FPS is shit canned yes Yay. but they are but still hey, working, working on, on the third jedi game yeah cool. they're still working on the the cool. jedi uh series but black panther and iron man whatever i guess we need those games as well all right man what we got here we're looking good on time i like this i like it so yeah we got we're through the bad batch love it don't forget to keep checking out our content throughout the week i still try to release at least one short a day across tiktok instagram youtube they're either going to be Bad Batch, or you never know, you might get some stuff from the archives when Nick and I were talking about the prequels, the sequels, the OGquels. Mm-hmm. You never know what type of content you're going to get from the SWTS. And that, my friends, takes us early into the fan segment. Nothing wrong with being early here. Uh, we do it every week. We actually have three ways to get involved now, technically, because I'm just selling on questions to us are also going to take place during the fan segment because I forget every fucking star of the show to do it. So with that being said, we will be posting or soliciting for questions each week. Please get involved. This is going to be on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. You just got to uh, ask us a question. You can either DM us a question based on the prompt or just answer in the little widget that they give you in the Instagram stories. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into that right now, Nick. We got two questions. Two questions. From the uh, from some of our diehards here. Let me go ahead and get those pulled up on screen. First one came from our buddy Bango31. Does the Mando slash Bad Batch backfilling of the somehow Palpatine plot make it any less awful for you guys? Or is or is it still just dog shit ST storytelling? Um. Okay. So I'll I'll put it this way: it needs to happen. Like all this backfilling that's going on now needs to happen. What it's not going to change is the line read and how that comes across when you hear it. Correct. Like it's just there's there's going to be nothing that that changes how that moment feels in the film. But the storytelling that they're doing now is necessary for the audience because if you if you really if you really want to try to justify that moment and and really break it down into like why it happened the way it happened, Poe doesn't know shit. Like Poe, what like like the po- whole galaxy didn't know it was yeah. it was Fortnite. They're the reason we know. Yeah. So like 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 literally. The person who read the line is seeing this for the first time, like literally is like, what do you mean Palpatine's back? So his like his 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 read of it is literally like exasperation and what the fuck? He's literally like, well, somehow Palpatine returned. He's just fucking pissed and he's confused and he's angry. But 
it's that like whatever happens in, in Bad Batch and Mando and stuff like that, it's never going to change how that line is read, but it is giving valuable context for the audience, for everybody who doesn't live in, in Star Wars storytelling of how this has happened. So it's important. It's necessary to fill in the gaps for everybody who's watching Star Wars to understand how it happened. Is yeah. it like, I'm it, sorry, but it's not going to like, it's not going to make the line read any better. Yeah, everything Nick said is 100% correct, but it, yeah, it's still dog shit storytelling that we even have to backfill uh, the Emperor coming back to life into a defective clone body that's attached to a mechanical arm on some random hidden planet. Yeah, and but like Nick is, Nick, Nick's correct. So the, the, it, it ultimately, to answer your question, Bango, I love the backfilling, that's good storytelling. What we now have existing in the sequel trilogy with him even returning still is dog shit. Yeah, there's there's always there's, will be dog shit. He should have never returned. Yeah, there's period. nothing that can be done about that now. Yeah. I mean, it's just you have to tell right as good of a story as possible leading up to it. So when you get there, you're like, OK, well, I know what's happening. Like, I know what's going on. I know that this was part of his long term plan from you know, like even right when the empire started. Yeah. So it's at least since 2018 or 2019. Yeah. That was the plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Bango. And we got another one from Rippick. We can always count on Rippick. Rippick is asking if Vader shows up in Bad Batch, I'm guessing, or learns of Project Necro, do you think he tries to foil Palp's cloning effort? I, uh, I don't think that. Well, one, I think that if he ever tried to foil Palpatine's cloning effort, like his his like Project Necromancer, his literal like life, uh, you know, like life after Empire plans, Palpatine would kill him. Like I, I and I say yeah, that, that that'd probably that'd probably be a, a bridge too far. Yeah, like for, I say that <laughs> knowing that Palpatine literally just fucks with him. Right. To like to just like keep him on edge and like I know everything that he does to him just like either pain wise or everything else he does. Palpatine would kill him if he would try to fuck up his life after death plan. Essentially, like there's no yeah, way I, that he would allow it to happen. My take here is it it Vader wouldn't even let it cross. It, it might cross his mind, but he would slap himself immediately because you understand we're still dealing with very emotionally fragile Vader. Yeah, I mean he he's only two years old, if that, at this point in time. He's he's still really fucked up. I mean, in the comics, he was so fucked up. After becoming Vader, Palpatine beat the shit out of him and and took took his weapons and made him go out and hunt down Jedi with no weapons. Basically saying, suck it up, pussy. This is what the Sith are like. So, at this point, I think Vader is still extremely shell-shocked and uh, obviously angry but still very, very fearful of his master. And uh, it, it, he, I, it, he does not quite have the, the, the chutzpah in him yet to start kind of retaliating against the, the emperor. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so either. And like, you know, it's just... He's, he's, he's as lab dog as it gets at this point. Yeah, like he's, he's too fragile and Palpatine knows that and he's like leveraging that every way that he can. So, yeah, I just I mean, this is with hindsight, but in the comics in between Empire and Jedi, he he fucking goes to Exegol. It was like riding a big monster and still doesn't blow up the lab. So 
Yeah. He, once, once he, you know, he sees Palpatine there, Palpatine's like, oh, hey, bitch boy, what are you doing? <laughs> Go fuck yourself or I'll kill you again. So yeah, it just ain't happening. Yeah. We're like, I, I'm at the point in the Vader run right now where you can start to see, even though by the time we're in Jedi, he's still telling himself and us that, no, I can't, I, I got to serve. I, I can never turn. They're making it in the, in the comics. They're really showing like how hard Vader was trying before Luke helped him to to take out Palpatine, uh, clearly with the intent of of becoming the most powerful being in the galaxy and not returning to Anakin. But uh, by the by that time, by the original trilogy, Vader was was done with this motherfucker, and he he was over the lessons in pain. He was over being systematically broken down and built back up again so he could be stronger in the dark side of the force. And he, he was trying, like, he was infecting himself with droids. He's infecting other legions with droids. He's joined the fucking Schism Imperial, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Some offshoot that Sly Moore is trying to start to uh, kill Palpatine. So he, yes. Yeah, that's Now, the- original trilogy, but during Bad Batch, no, he's very... Very uh, weak, still subservient and and obedient, like Nick said. All right. So that's, um, like I said, question to us of the week. It's always going to be open. You can ask us anything, kind of like they do on Reddit. But we also want your feedback. So we ask you a question a week, also on Star Wars Time, over there on Instagram. It'll be in our stories. It will be in our profile grid. You just have to find it. So make sure you follow us, tap on notifications, and anytime you see our content, like it, share it, comment, so the algo thinks you actually like it, and you're not just doing it because I told you. So this week's question to try and elicit a few more responses, because we all know people can't watch this shit right away on a Wednesday. I just put out there, what's your favorite or least favorite moment from Bad Batch Season 3 so far? So, Nick, we we did get a little more action this week. Yes. Take it away. All right. First up is Beyond the Dune Sea. So our podcasting buddies. um, Star Wars bros supporting Star Wars bros. Indeed. They say, uh, small things. The show shines in the small things. But the stormy sport in the trench coats, we went from Jedi wearing clone armor instead of robes due to budget constraints and clone wars to faceless TKs dripping out with coats and Bad Batch, a fun flex and full circle moment. <laughs> See, other yeah. people like the, you know, yeah, the I guess I was calling him poncho trooper, but trench coat works too. That works too. Yeah. It looks cool. Mega figure, sideshow. Give me a hot toys. I'm, I'm sure out on that on 112 it. shit. I'm sure they're on it. Uh, next up, Rippick Tan says, haven't watched E4 yet. But one through three had some great storytelling and the Emperor's arrival was phenomenal. But I burst put laughing pretty hard at Omega Sparta kicking the mouse droid out of the elevator. That was a, that was a good little moment. Those, those fucking mouse droids are always in the wrong place at the wrong they time. Are, so dude. They are. It's about time to get a boot to the face. <laughs> uh, League of Extraordinary Sixthers says, I like seeing Omega coming into her own, being clever, resourceful, and the Batch respect her decisions. Yeah, yeah. I she, think. She's an equal member. I mean, outside of age and size, she is 100% an equal contributor. She she has, like we said, piloting skills, strategy and tactics now. She knows all the secret clone codes. And she's got fucking guts and heart. You can't, I mean, you can't fault her for that. I mean, she's, she's going to be the one pushing these guys, these hardened warriors, to dive back into battle that they know they're probably going to die in. So Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, I mean, it is always, it is nice seeing Omega, like, taking 
more proactive roles and especially in the most recent episode being kind of the centerpiece for all of the action up until everything went wrong. So uh, good stuff there from League. Tones1138, our good bud, says the reunion, man, what with the music and watching Omega reunite with Wrecker and Hunter. Us old guys can't handle these <laughs> Star Wars emotions. Yeah, Nick. You I was never say, have Alan. a kid, dude. Never have a kid. It fucks you up. It gets to you. But yeah, he says, uh, talk about getting misty eyed. So yes, yeah. Tones and Matt both getting misty eyed in that reunion. Nice to hear Harry Lloyd's voice. He played Viserys Targaryen in Game Shit. of Thrones. As See, I even looked up a Harry Lloyd, and it was like a. It, it did it bring you to the Dumb and Dumber Harry Lloyd? Because isn't no, that? No, I I didn't. What he said Viserys. Who's Viserys? was Viserys, Viserys the old guy that just died, or is he like the crazy? Viserys was Daenerys's brother, like the one that got killed in season. Oh, one. the douchebag. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, then I, I was on the right one, but I didn't see the Game of Thrones credit, so I didn't mention it in my, my breakdown. So there you go, Tone, you got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, as Captain Man, another enjoyable episode this week. So there you go from Tones. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tones probably did like that. It, it seemed like the Imperials and even the droid bartender had that Northern England, almost Scottish accent going yeah. down. Yeah, maybe that's uh, the, the locale that they were in. That they all have that that accent. Yeah. Uh, next up, 2797 Studios. Mr. Bat says, not a moment, but I love the constant tension so no, far. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Yeah. No moment. He's just going for a, a all theme. Of it. All Dig of it. Dig it. Uh, four episodes in and we haven't slowed down. I'm hoping for more of this. A lot more. Uh, Bango31 says... Favorite part of the Omega Crosshair escape uh, was the Omega Crosshair escape from Tantus. So that's the end of episode three. The glee I felt at Batcher jumping <laughs> onto the ship and making it out alive Must be was a, child- a dog lover, yeah, dog owner like me, yeah, was childlike, and I loved it. The end of episode four was another great moment. Nice blend of emotions. Can't really think of a least favorite part thus far. Every episode has been enjoyable. Well, there That's you right. go. You don't, you don't, you don't have to drop negativity. I use or, right? I'm not using an yeah. and, so yeah. you, you can pick one or the other. But yeah, so try to imagine the way you all feel about watching that dog. Ratchet it up by a thousand and think you're like watching your human do that yeah. type of stuff that that's <laughs> what this does like i see my kid in omega i see myself in hunter and it just like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Emotions all right thank fly. you bango indeed scion xtc says from episode four specifically the reunion at the end the music was paired perfectly with mm-hmm. each second of the scene yep for the whole season so far still being left with the feeling of not knowing what's going to happen even though we can assume what will happen that, that is a true statement i mean we pretty much all know where it's going we just don't know how why when and how or how, why when and how and what and where yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think that we i went to school we all feel pretty confident about like what the end game of this season's gonna be everyone's but it, dead everybody's dead mount tantus gets exploded but hey, how do we get there is the question. Yes. Um, that's so that's what Scion is is thinking about now. Um, next up, Johnny Osage. Av. Johnny always likes to jump in on the questions. Appreciate it. Um, Johnny says, I thought the episode was great. It had suspense with a little solo vibe yeah, I, when I Omega that. and Crosshair were trying to get off world. Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, that, that that definitely gave a little bit of a solo vibe, especially in the uh, beginning of that movie. Omega the Hustler was a nice little ad. Crosshair getting to do what he does best and fine and uh, both finally escaping and reuniting with their brothers. I got a little choked up with the Omega. Dude, us old men are the worst. Yeah, I know. Wrecka <laughs> Hunter reunion. Uh, but then that uncomfortable silence. I was expecting a line from Crosshair. No tears for me, brother. Oh, I like that, Johnny. There's, I like that. <laughs> the, but no I mean, that, that that's almost too that. witty for Crosshair. Yeah, I was like, cro- that's, that's not a Crosshair line. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we know bounty hunters are coming soon. That's right. So Johnny, looking forward to the bounty hunters coming in. And then Nova Toymation talked about Nova earlier in the show. Says, I really enjoyed seeing the ins and outs of the Mount Tantus lab in their daily routines. The buildup to Omega's blood being tested was excellent. Yes. Yeah, so this was uh, episode three filled with tension, the tension that Scion oh, yeah. was talking Love about that. in his response as well. The centrifuge. Beep, beep, click. Beep, beep, click. Yeah. Uh-oh, it's getting close. All right, thank you. So, hey, if you want to get involved in that, you want to have your comments read, potentially made fun of, make sure <laughs> to uh, check out StarWarsTime.show on Instagram. Typically, uh, I don't know, Wednesday morning, Tuesday nights. Never know when it's going to go up. doesn't really matter. It gets buried right away. Anyways, so your best bet, follow, turn on notifications for yeah. at StarWarsTime.show. Shit. Do that. Do that indeed. But we're now moving into our uh, next part of the fan segment, which is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. To get involved in this segment, uh, you, there's one thing that you have to do and then a second thing that you should do. The thing that you have to do is add tag at Star Wars time dot show on all of your Star Wars posts on Instagram that is how you get into our tagged feed. And that is where I pull all of the top five from is from that tags feed. And I will say we've been seeing more tags recently. It's taken me a lot longer to scroll back a week in the tag. Oh photos. yeah. Yeah. If, if, I forget you do the whole week. So yeah, you're, you're probably scrolling for a few minutes there yeah. through all those. Yeah. I mean, like I was putting together my top five this week and I was like, Oh wait, I've only gone through two days. I still got a lot more to see. Um, so yes, add tag at star Wars time dot show on your post. That's how you get in for the top five. Um, and that's also how you get on Matt's radar for the daily features and to, uh, another way to get involved in the daily features is to use the hashtag star Wars time show on your posts that will get you on Matt's radar for those daily features as well. So to kick off the top five for this week, we have at Nilla Gorilla underscore 13. Uh, and Nilla Gorilla has hit us with a really fun Hu Yang Ahsoka shot. Um, the, the poses here were super fun. Uh, and these two have, have a ton of history. So I thought that this shot here from Nilla Gorilla 13 with the Hu Yang and uh, Ahsoka dual lightsaber duo pose uh, was really fun. Yeah, I enjoyed this one a lot. I just found like a whole new thing we can do in chat. I can start a Q&A or a poll right in the live stream. There you go. I'm not sure what the hell we do with it. I don't know how we would use it yet, but I'm sure that we right. can find hey, a way. There you go. They're there. Maybe we'll start throwing up some polls. All right. Who we got? So yes, Nilla Gorilla 13 hit us Sorry. with the with the Hu Yang and Ahsoka uh, dual lightsaber duo shot to kick off the top five. 
and I mean, I really, I like the snow bokeh in the background, the little bit of uh, snowfall there with a That's right. Got tree some practical going snow. On. Yeah. So I, yeah, I thought that this real was... set pieces that, that who Yang figure is dope. I'm still holding my breath that they're going to actually do a, a one six scale. It's like Nick, they're doing everything they can except for the characters I want in one six scale from Ahsoka. <laughs> they just released the young Ahsoka this week, so I, I nabbed that one. But still, no Balin, still no Shin, no Morgan, no Hu Yang. They're they're Come waiting. They're gonna drop Let's all go. these on you at one time during holiday course, season, yeah. so they that's can how get I, that's all. That's how I like money. to spend my cash but now that that who yang figure is great so good work here from nilla gorilla underscore 13 that's right next up we have oh, an, this shot's fucking dope th- this week was so hard to choose honestly i, I had like 10 shots you, you did I, you did well though because you got this one and another one in that i think had to be in this yeah week. i felt like this was one that i was like okay i gotta put it in this is ripic tan at Ripik, uh, R-I-P-I-K, underscore, underscore, Tan on Instagram. And this is a shot of like, I don't even know what, this This is like fully unleashed Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah, who's dude. like, like He's the, his, his dad's clone armor yeah. on, like the, the shoulder pauldrons. He's got both of his lightsabers. He's got his father, the Skywalker family blade, and he's got his green lightsaber that he built Uh on his own. He's like you said, he's got the clone armor pieces that he's whipping like this, this like gray. He's he's in like his whites. Yeah. The white from, from Octo. It's just so cool. He's up in the air. He's slashing the, 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 the slash effects, like the light trails that uh, Rippick added in there are fucking great the sparks are great the poses on the stormtroopers i nick i'm not gonna lie i went out of my way when i saw this to let ripick know like dude i think you just you, you just hit your your pr right here yeah like, like this like, is like, like like this is the best work i've ever seen you produce and, and it shows i mean it, it's upwards of almost a thousand so i know that's always fun when when i used to do this getting them up over a thousand or close to because then you know that it it really was a banger and yeah. this one is no doubt yeah i mean everything the the posing the effects the outfitting on the luke skywalker uh figure yeah i mean that's a like, full custom figure man i mean it's like it's a bashed figure but it's a it's a great idea for a bash i mean it, there, yeah. it looks like you got the you got TLJ or TFA Luke in there. You got uh, Luke's head from probably Bespin Luke or Jedi Luke. Uh, that might be custom Clone Wars pauldrons. I mean, they look just like Anakin's. It's just, it's killer, man. So yeah. Ripic underscore underscore tan. Two thumbs up, bro. Unbelievable One. work here. Absolutely. Next up uh, is a Lego shot from at Lego shock zero four five one official on Instagram all on an 11, an iPhone 11, an iPhone 11 took this picture. And I gotta say like, it's so cool. So it's like a recreation of the Mandalorian season one or two poster, right? Like there was one Uh, post one when he's coming coming through the, the cantina door and that's where, yes. So, uh, what you see is a full Lego recreation of that, uh, you know, like coming through the cantina, the circular cantina door where, where Mando is, is kind of shadowed. Um, you have, so you have the full cantina door set up that's made with Legos. You have little Lego Mando set pieces around our Legos. 
uh, sand on the ground to match the aesthetic of that poster. It is a perfect Lego recreation of that poster and looks just spot on. Um, so Lego Shock 0451 killed it on on this one for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's like I said, the the technology being used, they they use the the older iPhone, use some AI to upscale, enhance it, and it, it's a nice pairing of the technology. Uh, yeah, Lego Shocks in our our Discord, always sharing in our artist community channel there. So it's always a, uh, I always like that. You know, it's not like we reward people that play with us, but it is nice to see like, hey, those that those that do kind of kick around the SWTS community, it's always nice when Nick kind of knights them. Yeah. With a top five. Well, this is a a well-deserved top five here uh, from at Lego shock zero four five one official on the Instagram. Um, So next up in this top five, I mean, like Matt, I don't know if you're referring to this one or the next one, but I feel like both of these had to be on here. (laughs) It is the next one, but you're not wrong. It was just, it was a good week. It was was, a good week. It was a good week. Some of the heavy hitters were were smacking them out of the park and some of the accounts you may not always be following were also kind of on top of their game. Yeah. I mean, uh, so for, for number four up here in the top five this week, we have one from eight, five, zero Sith Lord on Instagram and it's, it's the OG crew, all of them. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's where, uh, you know, their their fame was first made on the Death Star. So we see Luke Skywalker and his farm, farm boy outfit whipping the Skywalker family blade fully out and emitted off to his right hand side over his shoulder or, uh, you know, screen right over his shoulder. R2-D2 and C-3PO lit up and ready for action uh, over uh, screen left. You have Han and Leia and Chewie and then. Uh, off to the back right, you see old Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi there as well. The posing on here is great. I don't know if if, if some of these are custom head sculpts, but the Luke head sculpt looks crazy good. His face I, I looks actually, awesome. These are all the SH Figure Arts uh, 112 scale. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the shot itself is just so good. The posing is fantastic for everybody. Um, the, the way that they're, they're lined up is great. I mean, this is just like, this is like a hero shot that I would put on my wall for sure. Yeah, no, this, this is a solid one. It's a great shot. It also showcases just how awesome these figures are. I have all these, by the way, the originals, if anyone wants to possibly buy them. Although I think they've started to re-release them. So my aftermarket, uh, my aftermarket bump is probably toast at this point in time. But great work here from at 850 Sith Lord over on Instagram. That's right. And to close out the top Dude, five. Like how much talent can one person get? It's, how it's, can, it's, it's getting a little unfair here with Connor. Uh, yes. So we're going back to our, our buddies over at Beyond the Dune Sea and more specifically Press Pause Photography on Instagram, a.k.a. Connor. Connor is the host, one of the hosts of Beyond the Dune Sea, and he's also a toy photographer, and he put out an absolutely killer shot yeah. um, in honor it's, of it's the, the Bad Batch. It's the attack on Tantus, bro, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it looks like. Could be. It could be the attack on Tantus. So what we see here is uh, from screen right to left, we see Omega, we see Hunter, we see... Echo, we see Rex, we see Crosshair, and then we see uh, Wrecker way off there in the back, uh, like the top 
like middle of the of the frame and then some there's other another one there wolf's there too oh okay is he okay i couldn't tell he's like tucked under hunter's arm if I, you I was gonna say like, i was like there's somebody whose face is obscured by hunter's arm and then there's another one way in the back that i can't I'm make out this, this could be the main raiding party at tantus like no bullshit it could be. This is at least what I have in my little soft head. Yeah. So also we see all of the batch members and the batch's friends out in force, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, firing away uh, from cover as they're assaulting something. Could it be Tantus? It very well could be. Um, but this was this was one of those shots where it's like as soon as you see it, you're like, well, that's in the top five for sure, and let me it's find insane, four others. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like. It just goes to show you, like, like no, no bullshit. I mean, Connor is a very creative, artistic person. They just listen. He is. He's good at it. They make great little videos. At least for me, I, I think their videos are expertly edited, thought out. They're funny. Their intros every week are hilarious. They did one last week. They're pretending they're like bounty hunters working with the Bad Batch. It was just. It's like the the mind on these people on Connor in particular. I'm envious. I just my brain does not work that way. So I, it's it's always a pleasure of mine to to give him a shout out. He's a good kid, and I could say that he, he is a young motherfucker. So press underscore pause underscore photography underscore. Just don't forget Matt and Nick when you guys mm-hmm. have the Thunderdome. We need to be a part of the team. Yeah. Thank you. There we go. So that's it. That's the end of the top five, and that's the end of our show for this week. Hey. Woo-woo. Two hours on the nose. I feel like this was a very well-paced show, and we got you guys. Well, hell, let's just let's just sit here and stare at each other yeah, for, for the another next half twenty-five hour. minutes. So yeah. they get their they get their full two and a half. Yeah, that was already like, man, short show today. It's like, hey, you know, we're we're ripping you all off. Yeah, you're not you're not getting your money's worth that week this week, but it's okay. Every once in a while, we need a break, especially me. I've been going at it since five thirty this morning because we had tornadoes roll through. Did you ever hear those? Sirens go off, not on noon on a Wednesday. It's kind of jarring. <laughs> like, oh, shit, are the Russians coming? Is it China? No, it was a tornado, and it actually took out some wow. property fairly close. Yeah, it's wild, dude. Uh, it's not something we usually deal with here in Ohio. Yeah, well, I'm glad um, you dodged that bullet, my friends. So. Yeah, me too. I, I, didn't <laughs> feel like, uh, I didn't feel like dying quite yet or dealing with insurance companies and and kind of putting a life back together. So yeah, knock on wood, all hail the force. But as Nick said, it's time to say goodbye. And, and don't worry, you, you never have to leave the Star Wars Time Show. Like I said, I, I, I'm putting out content every day. You can always interact with us. You just got to find us. And the best way to find us is heading on over to StarWarsTime.net. You can hit the socials over there. You can get subbed up to uh, the podcast platforms we're on, which are plentiful. If, if if you listen to a podcast, there's a good chance our show is on it. So tune in, search for it, follow. More importantly, though, if you're digging or not digging what you see, leave us a rating and review. That's as important as it gets to us. The feedback, the interaction with the algos, letting us know, hey, your content sucks, or hey, we dig it. So keep it up. There's always time for Star Wars time. Don't you forget it. The best place to go to get people in the know for the best Star Wars fan show on the internet is StarWarsTime.net. 
All right, everyone, got another single episode of Bad Batch to take in next week, and then the week after that, we'll be up to a double. So keep those browsers tuned to youtube.com slash Show or starwarstime.net in between now and then. And as we always leave you, we just want to remind you with this simple fact in life, but if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always hold on oh wait hold on always <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>